0: Good morning Sunrise. How are you guys doing today? We're good. Well good morning to everyone in here. Good morning to all of you guys worshiping with us online as well. It's great to be here in community to worship our God together and hear from his word. Um, Yeah it's just a good day. I know we've it's been a hot week. We've been outside a lot and I was just thinking you know it's it's summer. Well, it's almost summer for some of you, Hudsonville students. Um, I, almost, I almost felt like a couple of times we were almost complaining about the heat, but I'm like, we've been waiting for this for so long, so praise the Lord that it's it's beautiful outside. Um, well, this morning, I wanted to read uh, a verse from Psalms to kind of kick off worship and our, our opening song today. One of the most famous song, uh, verses from Psalms, so from Psalm 119, you guys, I'm sure you guys know this verse, but your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That actually is the first line of the song we're going to sing, this take you at your word, a song that we introduced a month or two ago. Um, But God's word is living, it is truth, something we can stand upon, it's um, our foundation and uh, it's full of promises that we can believe in and we can um, hold fast to. So as we sing this song, Um, let's believe in the word of God, the truths that it it proclaims with us this morning. So why don't don't we stand? Let's worship this morning. We go, your word.
1: It's a lamp unto my feet Your way is the only way for me It's a narrow road that leads to life But I want to be on it It's a narrow road but the mercy is wide Cause you're good on your promise i'll take you at your word if you said it i believe it i've seen how good it works if you started you And the chaos fell in line I know Cause I've seen it
2: in my
1: life It's a narrow road That leads to life But I want to be on it Oh, it's a
2: narrow road The
1: tide is high But you parted the water you at your word. If you said it, i believe it. I've seen how good it works. You said your grace is always enough. You said your heart would never forget or forsake me. You said I'm saved. You call me yours. You said my future's full of your hope. You never failed, so I know that. said your love will never give up, you said your grace is always enough, you said your heart will never forget or forsake me, you said I'm saved, you call me yours, you said my future's full of your hope, you never failed, so I know that you'll never fail, If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you started, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I promise.
0: hear your voice as you speak, as we sing these scriptures, we worship you this morning. Let's continue to sing together.
1: The perfect Son of God, in all His innocence, He's walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is. He's acquainted with our grief. A man of sorrow, Son of Suffering, blood and tears. How can it be? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who will reach for me. Oh, how?
3: distant and removed, but you chased us down in merciful pursuit. To the sinner you were grace, and the broken God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Hallelujah to the Son. freedom your stripes my healing all praise King Jesus glory to God in heaven your blood still speaking your love still reaching all praise King Jesus glory to God forever your cross my freedom your stripes by healing all praise King Jesus glory to God in heaven your blood still speaking your love still reaching all praise King Jesus glory to God forever glory to God
1: Speak to God. Glory to God forever. Glory to God forever. We worship you. Glory to God.
3: There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. Hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. son of suffering hallelujah to the son of
0: your suffering for the blood you poured out for each one of us the blood you poured out to wash us clean so that our sin can be erased god thank you for your word today the scriptures that we sing all throughout all these songs may they just be impressed upon our hearts that we will believe them, that they will sink into our minds, that we will sing them throughout the day, throughout the week. Resting in these promises, this foundation that you've built for us. Help us to lean into them. Holy Spirit, remind us of them. You are good. You are a kind God. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are we today? I think we can do a little bit better than that. Come on. It's been beautiful this last week. Good morning, Sunrise. How are we doing today? So much better. Look at that. Y'all can do it. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on now. I'm kidding I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, hey, this morning, this Sunday is graduation Sunday, and it's really, really cool because we get to take... Just a few moments to celebrate the graduates here at Sunrise Ministries, right? For all of us who have graduated through high school and college, do we remember the amount of work and the time, right? The hours, the homework, the being in classes with the professors or teachers you didn't like, and you're like, please, God, just get me out of here, right? (laughs) They did it. Right? So we want to celebrate them and their momentous occasion. So at this time, I'm going to ask that all of our graduates come forward. We have, I'm going to name them really quick and then we'll go through it again. David Hernandez, Michaela Moles, Kate Ratterink, Alexandra Han- Hanlon, Caleb Moles, and Kelly Stepanik. If you could please come on down, give them a round of applause. <laughs> So good. Come on now. Well, hey, so here's what's going to happen. I am just going to share a little bit about each of our graduates. And if you want to whoop, whoop, if you want to clap, if you want to take a lap or something, I don't know, whatever it might be, you (laughs) do it because we just want to celebrate each and every single one of these individuals here. So the first one is David, David Hernandez. Pretty, pretty cool. So David's parents are Frank and Patty Hernandez. He graduated from Jenison High School. Uh, future plans are to become a dentist at Boston University. Right? Pretty cool. Obviously much smarter than I, okay? Um, And furthermore, his favorite memory of school or favorite life quote is the fact that his name backwards is Divad. So, David to Divad. I love it. Give it up for David, guys. Come on now. Next up is our very own Michaela Moles, everybody. Uh, Parents are Amy and Dennis Moles. She also graduated from Jenison High School. Uh, Going to Grand Valley next year. Still trying to figure out the major, but that's pretty cool. And her quote comes from my favorite TV show of all times, which is this. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Andy Bernard. Give it up for Michaela. Give it up for Michaela. Next, we have Cade Ratterink, everybody. Yeah? Come on. Parents are Scott and Gina Ratterink. Graduated from Hudsonville High School. Future plans to the surprise of Will that one Sunday morning you're going to GVSU. Very, very cool. And favorite life quote is this. It's very beautiful and elegant. The butterfly does not look back on its caterpillar self, either fondly or wistfully. It simply flies on. I could like snap for that, right? Like snaps. Next is Alexandra Hanlon. Parents are Jeanette and Jeff Hanlon, brother Garrett, and fiance. Caleb Moles, everybody. <laughs> Alexandra graduated from Grand Valley State University with her bachelor's in psychology, and she is planning on going back to GVSU this fall to get her master's in social work with an emphasis in healthcare and hospice. Pretty cool. Favorite life quote is, Que Sarah sera, whatever will be, will be. Congrats, Alexander. We're proud of you. Next is her fiance, Caleb Moles. (laughs) Parents Amy and Dennis, fiance Alex, and siblings Drew and Michaela Moles. Caleb graduated from Grand Valley State University with his degree in social studies, secondary education. And what's next for him is he is going to be teaching at Grand Rapids Union High School in the fall. Give it up for Kim. And last but certainly not least is Kelly panic, everybody. Spouses Greg, kids Tom, Mike, Matthew, Andrew, and Lexi. And she graduated from Western Theological Seminary with a master's in divinity. That is no small degree. That's impressive. Impressive. What's next is her continued work as a hospital chaplain at Spectrum Corwell Health and the Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. And her favorite quote comes from theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer saying, the greatest gift of fellowship with others begins with listening. That's good. Congrats, Kelly. Sunrise, why don't we give all of our graduates another big round of applause really quick. Come on. So at this time, I am going to ask for the family members of each of the graduates and our elder team if they could come forward, and we're just going to lay hands on these graduates and just speak a a blessing over them as they go into what's next, right? I think there's something powerful about prayer. Would we all agree? There's something powerful about prayer, and I think it's just so cool to be able to, to speak life and blessing and to encourage people as they step into their next season of life. So Sunrise, why don't you just join in with us as we pray and uh, bless these graduates. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, God. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's in this line right here. I thank you, God, for the time that you have spent growing them, God, through the teachers and, and leading them and guiding them, God, that you have given them passions and abilities and desires. And Lord, you are using them to reflect your image in a variety of places in this world. Father, I thank you for the hard work that each and every single graduate's put in, and Lord, I ask that you would just bless them as they step into this next season of life, whatever it may be. Lord, that you would reward the time that has been invested in school. Lord, that you would continue to grow them and make them into the mighty men and women of God that you have called them to be. Lord, that they would be able to see what you have done in their life. And so, Jesus, as these graduates go forward, I just speak life and blessing and say, May the Lord bless you, and may he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you, lift his countenance upon you, and give you his peace as you step forward. Father, bless the families of these graduates for the time that they have invested into every single one of these graduates. And Lord, I pray that there would just be richness and, chari- and charity and memory, God, over what you have done. We love you, Jesus, and we're going to give you all the honor, praise, and glory because it's yours and yours alone. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sunrise. At this, time, At this time, I'm going to pass it off to our very own Noah, for some announcements. Let's give it
5: up for Noah. Good morning, everybody. Um, so first of all, I just want to say a quick welcome to all of you, uh, but especially if you're joining us here for the first time this morning, uh, whether you're here or online, um, we're happy you could join us. We love you, and we're glad you're here. Um, if you are here, you can scan our QR code, which is, they're scattered about. You'll find one. Um, or if you're joining online, there should be a link in the comment section for you to fill out a new guest form so we can send you a gift. Um, or there will be a gift in the Connect table uh, in the back. So stop by there after the service. Just a couple of quick announcements for us this morning. First of all, Pub Theology is going to be on Tuesday, this week Tuesday, and it's going to be at my house which you don't have the address for yet, and that's okay. Um, But on Tuesday, probably Tuesday morning, I'm going to be sending out an email with that address to the Pub Theology email list. If you're not on that list and you want the email, you can email me or Julie or Dennis or Corey or Dan or really anyone, and eventually it'll get back to me and we can get you that information. Uh, We also have Wine and Theology is coming up uh, June 13 at Hudsonville Grill at 7 p.m. Uh, we have the start of summer bonfire this week, June 9, at 6.27 p.m. precisely. Do not be late. Do not be early. 6.27. Um, everyone is invited to join us there. We're going to celebrate summer. Anybody can come. You don't have to be a student. But if you are a student and you would like to bring your old homework, your old notes, your old notebooks, um, your backpacks, your anything you'd like to burn, within reason... Um, then please bring that. We're going to have a bonfire. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come hang out. Next week, Sunday, June 11, is when our fifth graders here graduate up into Sunrise Students. Um, and on that day, we're going to have our first Sunrise student summer event, which will include the incoming sixth graders all the way up through recent graduates. Uh, that will be mini golf at Craig's Cruisers at 6 p.m., You need to bring $8 to play 18 holes of mini golf. You can email Corey at Corey at Sunrise.min. Corey at Sunrise.min.org. There it is, uh, if you have any questions. Um, If you guys would like to partner with Sunrise, uh, most important way that you can do that is prayer. Come join with us in worship every Sunday. Um, But in addition to that, we do have opportunities to give, um, both online, uh, in the back here, or you can mail a check. um, Whatever is most convenient for you. Um, I think that's it, so we will now transition into a brief break, uh, and then get the service going. All right. I think we're going to
4: get things. Is anybody else thankful for coffee? Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's just wonderful. I thought it would have been more than three of us, but okay. Um, So anyways... Good to see you guys again. I know it's been a long time since I was last up here. So anyways, um, today I get the fun opportunity to speak to you all, which is dangerous because Dennis asked me to speak to you all. So hopefully everything goes well today. Hopefully uh, we all feel good. Um, But you see, Dennis decided, he goes, hey, I want you to speak on this really light and easy subject of beware of false prophets. Right, Very easy, lighthearted, uplifting message. No, I'm messing with you. But it was actually quite comical because several months ago when, when Dennis approached me and asked, he said, hey, how would you feel about speaking on Sunday, June 4? And I said, hey, I would feel great about that. Pro tip, make sure you ask about what someone wants you to speak on in public <laughs> before you agree to do it, right? And, uh, and I'm like, so, so what am I speaking on? And he goes, hmm, let me look. And he's sitting there, and he's scrolling through, and he goes, I think it's that, uh, uh, beware of false prophets, try not to get us all fired. So um, <laughs> I'll see what I can do.
3: <laughs> That's exactly what I said. It
4: is. Yeah. It is. So I'll see what I can do, no promises. Um, so with that being said, uh, we are in our series, Jesus Said, right? But we're going through the sayings of what Jesus has said. And uh, last year, we, we talked about, right, Jesus said, do not judge others. And, and we're looking at what that looks like within the scriptures. And so today, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 5, or Matthew chapter 7, excuse me, verse 15 through 20. And just to give some background information of where we are at this point in the storyline of Matthew's gospel account, Jesus is closing out his sermon on the mount, right, big, momentous point in his ministry. And what's interesting is Jesus at this point is starting to give a series of warnings to his listeners. Um, And these are actually not just light warnings like, hey, you might want to watch out. These are serious, dire warnings for his listeners and for us as readers to pay attention to. The first one is, right, Why does the gate that leads to destruction. Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 14. Beware of false prophets, which is what we're walking through today. And then he also goes on with the warning concerning the coming day of judgment. Right, and we'll get to that a little bit later. These these signs are like road signs on the road, right? That's like there's a fork in the road ahead, and if you go to the left, the bridge is out and you're going to die. And if you go to the right... Well, there's still construction, because it's Michigan, but you're going to be okay. You might pop a tire through a pothole, but it's okay, right? So anyways, why don't we go through this passage? Verse 15 says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So now that we've had this warning about false prophets, which I'm sure many of us have heard about before, if you want to, um, what I like to say is this: If you want to go ahead and get your credit card in one hand, lay one hand on the afflicted part of your body, repeat after me, and then just make sure you show me those digits and write it to Corey Williamson Foundation at SunriseMinistries.org. Uh, anyways, um, I'm sorry I have to say those things that just cracks me up. I love those people. Love those people. If you know what I'm talking about, you understand the humor in that. But in all seriousness, how many of us in here have ever heard someone say, Beware of false prophets? Has anyone in here ever heard that? Or how many of us have been scrolling through Facebook and you see a comment thread and one of the top comment threads from someone um, says, Beware of false prophets. Has anyone ever seen that? And you're like, it's definitely not in context, right? Like Usually it is a satire post. About something that's completely not real. And the blessed person commenting beware of false prophets is completely unaware that while they're being serious, the post is right, meant to be funny. Right? And so that could be a little bit frustrating. And so, so what, what does that mean? Right? What does beware of false prophets look like? Right? That might be actually our number one question today. What is A false prophet? Well, within the Old Testament, okay, um, it was actually pretty simple. The marker was, in essence, did what a person say would happen, happen, right? Pretty simple. Did what they say happen, happen? If it did, they were a prophet. And if it did not, they were a false prophet, right? Who thinks that's a pretty easy litmus test, right? Like, it happened? Cool. It did not happen? bad, right? A caveat to this rule would be if what the prophet said would happen, happened, but then they said, hey, we want you to go follow this God other than Yahweh, other than Jesus, they too were a false prophet, right? Think about it this way, all right? I I like metaphors that just helps me out to think and process. Let's say that the Ohio State Buckeye coach, Ryan Day, says that the Buckeyes will hang 100 points on the Michigan Wolverines, (laughs) which he may or may not have done. (laughs) However, history now has gone on to show us that the Ohio State Buckeyes did not, in fact, hang 100 points on the Michigan Wolverines, but the Michigan Wolverines beat them not once, but twice in a row. Michigan fans rejoice right? By all Old Testament standards, Ryan Day would be considered a false prophet. (laughs) Now, obviously, we know this is a silly metaphor, and Ryan Day is just a coach. Um, And I will say, I love the way he's been coaching his team the last two years, especially against Michigan, and I think he should continue doing that, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Doing a great job. Or maybe on a more serious note, we can go back all the way many years before I was born. Sorry, I just dated some of you. 1988. In 1988, there was an author by the name of Edgar C. Wisnett, who... Um, Dennis is laughing because... <laughs> I you. He knows where I'm going with this. What happened in 1988 is Edgar released a book saying there are 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. How do we think that's turned out? (laughs) By last I checked, it's 2023. And so what's funny is I'm sure he was well-intentioned, but what I also find comical is, is if we know Jesus is coming back, which we do because the scriptures tell us, why do we need to write another book to tell people that he's coming back? Okay. Unless there's an ulterior motive. Anyways, what he said is this. is He goes, actually, I was wrong. In 1989, he wrote another book that said 89 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1989. <laughs> you would have thought that people would have learned. What's better is he actually did this two more times once in 1993 saying that Jesus was going to come back during a Jewish festival. And in 1994, he said, Jesus must be coming back this year because the world is going to end a nuclear war. Unfortunately for Mr. Edgar, by all Old Testament standards, he would be deemed a false prophet. Right? So here's what's interesting, is Jesus comes along and he says, You have heard it said, but surely I tell you. This And what he says is that, from my perspective, you can tell a false prophet by the fruit in their life, right? What does the fruit of their ministry and of their life say about them? Again, let's look at verse 16. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Right? What does the fruit of their life say? So one of the things that my wife Lindsay and I love to do is on a night that we're free and available, we love to order Thai food and sit on the couch and watch a movie or watch TV, right? And if you've never done that, it is one of the best things in the entire world to do. I highly recommend it, right? It's either Thai food or ice cream or pizza, right? It's one of those things and it's fantastic. So anyways, you know, off and on, we'll switch up what we like to watch. And over the past couple of weeks, uh, we decided to watch a couple of documentaries that focused on one of the larger churches and ministries that we have known within the last 20 or 30 years, really across the world, and what it dealt with was some of the issues and the failings and some of the leaders, right, who were quite popular in our culture and how they fell, and it was interesting because as we were watching it, right, there's several episodes, and at the start of each episode is a Bible verse, Um, and it could be a random verse, and I remember one of the times that popped up at the beginning and it says, beware of false prophets. And I couldn't help but think to myself in that moment, oh boy, here we go, right? Third party, you know, taking scripture out of context and applying it to a situation that's not actually true. And what I was actually surprised about after studying this passage is they were completely right. That passage actually really does speak to the issues that were happening. And it speaks to a lot of issues that are happening today. This wasn't a warning for 2,000 years ago. This has been a warning from 2,000 years ago forward. And something that we need to pay attention to. So upon studying the passage, I learned several important things. We're going to go through them really quickly. The first one is this. While not too many people carry around the title of prophet anymore, we do need to be aware of teachers and leaders within the capital C church, right? Right? the corporate church across the world, who promote the gospel, but the content of their character is anything but Christ-like. We really do. It deeply troubles me that there seems to be this laundry list that's only getting longer and longer of the teachers and leaders within our modern-day contexts that are either making prophecies about People getting elected into offices or things happening or tragedies across the world. Or we're finding out about these leaders abusing and misusing their people and congregants and and, and and just treating people horribly. It's troubling to me. It's troubling to me that this is going on. It just seems to be getting worse. And what's even worse is it's not just allegations, but there's evidenced proof. There's court record, there's police record, there's there's all of this that's happening. And and what's even more sad to me is that some of these prophets and pastors and teachers are even proud of their conduct and think that they're acting on God's will. That's scary. That's scary. They've manipulated and twisted the scriptures not only to serve their own mission, but their agendas, and rather than use the scriptures to point people to the living and greater word, Jesus. Jesus. Right? We have the written word, which is great, but it points us to the living and greater word, Jesus, who's the one that we serve. And I can't help but wonder if these people in their context are saying, the Bible says this, but Jesus is coming along and saying, but surely I tell you, it's actually this. So may I encourage us and remind us as, as we observe these things, as I'm sure many of you have, that God is not calling us to belittle, abuse, to misuse, to trash our neighbor for the sake of building his kingdom. He's not doing it. And if we come across people who are doing that, they are in the wrong. Very few times can I actually think of, it's actually zero, where Jesus belittled someone to try and build his kingdom. And if he was ever mad at someone, it was the religious, the elite. I'd also like to pause for a moment and say this. If you have suffered at the hands of a leader within a church context or a ministry context who has mistreated you or misspoke to you or made you feel that you were less than because you didn't perform to a certain standard that they deemed acceptable, I just want you to know that I am sorry that you walked through that. I know that Dennis is incredibly sorry that you've walked through that. And I want you to know that what happened was wrong, and that is not indicative of how Jesus sees you, of how he loves you, and how he cares for you, and how you are built <laughs> and equipped for his mission on this earth. That's
2: right. That's right.
4: So if that's you, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that there is healing and freedom to be found in the arms of Jesus. I just want you to know that. You know, when we talk about these issues, I can't help but wonder if this is actually one of the issues that John the Baptist was seeing when he says in Matthew 3.8 to the Pharisees and the religious elite, he says this, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. When we examine the lives of these leaders, are we seeing people who have failed And who are then coming out and saying, I am sorry, I messed up. And they're changing their ways, or are they just completely pushing it away? There's a difference. You see, repentance is not just saying, I am sorry. That's the first step. But the second step is then a change in behavior. Because if you understand the true definition of repentance, it's not to say I'm sorry and to keep doing the same thing. It is I'm sorry and then a complete 180 degree turn to do the other thing, to walk in the opposite way. There's a difference. There's a difference. Number two, this passage doesn't just address people in positions of power or leadership, but it actually speaks to every single one of us who carry the title of Christ follower. Matthew makes it very, very clear when he records the words of Jesus that just as the leaders and the teachers are going to be evaluated by their fruit, you and I are going to be evaluated by our fruits. That means something. That means something. You see, as Christ followers, we carry his image with us everywhere we go. To our homes, to our communities, to our workspaces, to the restaurants and the stores that we shop at. Right, And one of the best ways that we show the gospel, the fact that Jesus is alive and well, is in the way that we treat those around us. The way we love one another. We can't forget that we too must bear good fruit, even when we deal with people who cut us off in a white Soul.
2: Am I right, Dennis?
4: Yep. As much as we want to tell them that they are number one back, think about it for a second. We're not supposed to do that. Number three, the giftings of a leader from a clergy or lay perspective, right? Whether you're employed by the church or you're not. The giftings that you have are not an indication of bearing good fruit. Or being Christ-like. You see, Jesus in this passage is very likely addressing those who have performed miracles with or without his name and not for the right reasons. In fact, when you study the words ravenous wolves, um, you find out that we miss something in the English language. You see, in New Testament culture, especially when you consider that many of Jesus' listeners lived in an agrarian society, right, a wolf was a bad thing, right? If you have a flock of sheep or you're dependent on your crops or if your kids are running out in the fields, you're probably worried about wolves coming and attacking, right? And killing your livelihood. And so when Jesus makes this mention of the ravenous wolves, the listeners probably would have picked up on what he was saying. And what's even more interesting to me is that and this could just be me, is that when Jesus is, is saying the wolves and sheep's or the sheep in the wolf in sheep's clothing, excuse me, he's actually likely trying to incorporate a Greek audience, Right? If you are familiar with Greek mythology, you'll understand the story of Odysseus, right, and the Odyssey. And it's very likely scholars believe that Jesus is trying to even reach out to his Greek friends who have come from afar to listen to the Sermon on the Mount by making a cultural reference that they would understand, which is when Odysseus and his men uh, cover themselves as sheep to hide themselves from the watchful eye of the Cyclops, Polyphemus. I found that interesting. It could just be a nerd thing. Maybe that is. I don't know. But in the Greek words... It's Lukoi and Harpax. Those are the ravenous wolves. Lukoi, which is translated to wolves in the English, means greedy and rapacious, filthy men who destroy for the sake of their own gain, without regard for one another. And Harpax, which is translated to ravenous, which means extortionists and thieves, people who have a great desire for greed. They want more than what they have. I think one of the best examples of this can be found in Acts chapter 8 with Simon the magician. And what's interesting is is Jesus is doing like a wordplay. He's saying it's like, they're bad, bad, right? These, These people are bad, bad people. It's not just like, oh yeah, they're bad. It's like, they're bad, bad people. He's trying to drive a point home. But in Acts chapter 8 it's recorded that Simon the magician is going around and he sees the apostles performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And he's like, how can I do this, right? He's intrigued. And what the text says in verse 18 is this, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift, the gift of God with money. That's interesting, right? Do you think that we maybe have some cultural context here where, hey, if you do this, this, and this, then God will bless you and he will give you double for your trouble and he will, right? There's some gears that might need to start turning in our heads. Right? And the message remains the same. The marker of a false prophet or diseased tree is the fruit of their life and their true heart intentions and their conduct towards others. Right? This is perhaps why Jesus gives this third and final warning in Matthew chapter 7, one that's haunted me many years of my life. And it says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, has anyone ever read this passage and been freaked out? Come on now. I remember being a kid and reading this and being like, I just go to Sunday school. I'm like... I'm just concerned if there's goldfish at snack time. These guys are casting out demons and prophesying. How in the world am I going to get through the pearly gates? Right? That was a scary passage. But really, it's actually more so addressing these people with bad fruit. In fact, I love this. Lindsay was sharing this story with me this week as we were talking through this. Um, One of the wisest men I have ever known. Um, He's actually the academic dean at my Bible college. and, And someone in the class kind of pulled the asking for a friend moment when they said, Pastor Brian, how do we know if someone is saved? Right? Kind of the asking for a friend, you know. And he said this, and I think the answer to his question directly affects the question that you might be asking yourself, which is, what is the good fruit that Jesus is talking about? He says, the bad fruit we've talked about the conduct of character. But what is this good fruit? And his response was simply this. To the question of salvation and to the answer of what is this good fruit, he just said this, is there long-term evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? Is there long-term evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? For the purpose of salvation, if so, they're likely saved. And if not, Well, then I think you might have your answer. And what do we know the fruit to be? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Right? You see, I don't think it is any coincidence that Jesus called us to love God and to love our neighbor. And the fruit of the Spirit starts starts with love, which actually encapsulates the rest of the fruit. It is no coincidence. We are called to love one another and to care for one another. So, where do we go from here? Right? We've covered the bad fruit and the markers. So, what do we do with this? How do we apply this to our lives? Why, why does this matter? Four key takeaways that I have from this passage are this this passage should drive us to have an honest assessment of our own character the way we live our life and our conduct and treatment towards others. It should drive us to a true, genuine assessment where we invite the Holy Spirit in and say, search me, please. Think of the words of David, search my heart, oh God. How am I treating others? And I would encourage us to not just take five minutes and go, I think I'm good, right? Right? Because the reality is is this, is we're all humans, and our heart can be deceitful, right? And we can think that we're a whole lot better than we actually are. So invite the Holy Spirit into this process. Ask Him to search your heart. Invite a friend, a trusted mentor, someone, and say, Hey, can you just give me a gut-level honest answer of how I treat other people? You know, I find it fascinating that oftentimes if you were to ask a waiter or a waitress what their least favorite day of the week of the week to work is, they would tell you it's Sunday, specifically Sunday afternoon. And it's because that's when all of the Christians get out of church and come into the restaurants. And they don't like it because in many waiters and waitresses' experience, the Christians are the most rude customers, they're the most entitled customers. They tip the worst, but they have no problem at praying before their meal. I think we need to have some assessment of our character. How are we treating those around us? Let us strive to care for one another in a way that honors Jesus and glorifies his name. And let our conduct towards others... And the way we talk about the scriptures and the way that we use them in our everyday life point people to Jesus and not push him away. Let's not put up roadblocks. Let's bring people closer to Jesus. Number two, this passage should drive us to genuine repentance when we realize that we've missed the mark. It really should. Again, Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The most powerful words when you're hurt and offended are I am sorry that I have hurt you and then you see a change in behavior. That is powerful, right? How many of us in this room have ever had someone hurt us and then say I am sorry? Put your hand up. How many of you have then had the same person do the same thing to you again and hurt you? You see, there's a difference there. Genuine repentance, right? Number three, we should be patient with those who call themselves prophet and teacher and Christ follower. However, we should also not be afraid to address unjust and unchrist-like works or patterns of behavior when we see them. We shouldn't be afraid to address those, right? The fruit of someone's life or ministry often will take time to be revealed. Often it does, And so there can be moments in time where we can look at someone and be like, I don't think they're good, but I would encourage us to maybe be patient and wait and see. Because I know that there's been times where I have preemptively looked at people and said, what they're doing is bad. And then later down the road, I'm like, I was wrong. There was actually good fruit in their ministry. So can I encourage us to give people the benefit of the doubt? And can I also say this? every single one of us in this room is going to hurt or offend someone at some point in life. It's just the nature of being human and I don't like it, but it's the nature. Can I encourage us that when someone hurts us or offends us that we don't write them off as a diseased or a bad tree? Right? That we don't write them off as bearing bad fruit because they were human and they had a moment where they missed the mark? Can I encourage us with that? Because there's a difference in messing up and having repeated patterns of behavior, even in confrontation. There's a difference there. So when we do see those patterns of abuse, right? Those patterns of misuse, of of misusing the scriptures and not treating people well and not loving our neighbor, but still carrying that title of Christ follower. Can I encourage us to not be afraid to confront, which is hard, And if need be, get help to do it, right? Because if you often talk to people who are confronting their abusers, it's incredibly difficult to face them and look at them. So I would encourage us, get the help you need to confront what you've been faced with, right? It's difficult. But this leads me to my last point, is that when we see these repeated patterns of behaviors, we can address them But we must remember this. It is ultimately Christ who will deal with the diseased and the bad tree. It's Christ. It's not us. The hardest words I have had to realize in my life, even after experiencing my own experiences at the hands of poor leadership, even after my experiences at the hands of those who abuse and misuse, is vengeance as mine. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You see, justice and vengeance are two different things, right? Justice seeks to make things right. Vengeance seeks to get back at. And I think we all know the difference, Right? There's a difference there. we have to remember that it's Jesus' job, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, to do that in the lives of people. right? As the worship team comes up, I just want to rehash this again. There may be some of us in this room who have really been hurt. Again, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that's not the way of the kingdom. That's not the way Jesus is. It's not indicative of his love for you. It's not indicative of your purpose or your future or your potential. And I want you to know that there's healing for you. And so as we sing this final song this morning, I think that there are two groups of people in here. The first group, I think, is every single one of us. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us assess our conduct and treatment towards others. Every single one of us. Lord, how am I actually treating other people? What do people think of me? I think of the prayer of St. Patrick, Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me. That's a powerful saying. Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me. Christ in the mind of everyone who thinks of me. That's something. So, I think that's a first group of us. And then there's some of us who need to start that journey of finding healing in the arms of Jesus from the wounds done by the ravenous wolves of this world. So, whoever you are, I encourage you as we sing this last song today, be reminded to bear good fruit and to seek Jesus and to point people to Him. Invite the Spirit to help you assess how you're doing in life, how you're treating others. And if you need healing, reach out to him because he's willing to give it. He's willing to give it.
1: and his plans will pass over. He sees the red on the door. I plead the blood.
3: The enemy can't take my family because this home belongs to the Lord. I'm not afraid to remind him That he has no claim in this war I plead the blood I plead the blood of Jesus I plead the blood I plead the blood of Jesus Let's go and stand together
1: Freedom is glory to glory. My freedom's been. The blood, nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood. Nothing can force in a
4: So as we close today, I am reminded of several of the messages that we have had over the past several weeks about our conduct of character, right? Don't be a jerk face, right? Don't be spec inspectors and plank ignorers, right? Don't be the people who point a finger in the face of others and say, the Bible says this. When Jesus is coming along and saying, surely I tell you. But friends, let's be people who intentionally sit at the feet of Jesus. Becoming conformed into his likeness and bearing the fruit of the spirit. And pointing other beggars to the place that we found bread. Our Savior Jesus. Let's be those people. And so in the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, by virtue sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Sunrise family, be blessed this week. Bear good fruit and go in his peace. Blessings.